Hello and welcome. This is Jim Little, the man in the middle, the man asking the questions and hopefully helping to provide some of the answers. On today's episode, we have Nick Craigwood, the developer of the open source tool Arclone. So, hello to um, Nick Craigwood. Welcome. Um, if you could give us two minutes on yourself, Nick, and your background. <laughs> sure thing. So, well, I've always loved software programming. Ever since I was 13 or so, I uh, started programming with my ZX80. And uh, I've, throughout my career, I've worked in software development. I've basically been a career chief technical officer in software businesses. Um, and um, as part of that, I've come to love storage as well. I mean, at one point, my house was absolutely stuffed full of servers, and which made a huge noise and annoyed the wife and cost <laughs> an awful lot of money on the electricity bill. <laughs> so um, I gradually got more and more interested in cloud storage. And, um, and that's basically where my interest in our clone came. I've always been very interested in transferring data about and make sure it doesn't get corrupted. Um, so my background in, uh, yeah, computer science, well, I actually studied physics at university, but I studied all the computer science out of books after university. Um, and uh, yeah, so software businesses at the moment, um, right now I am concentrating on my open source work, which we'll talk about a bit more. Yeah. And of course, you and I came across each other at Memset, um, which, of course, I think you co-founded. That's right. I co-founded Memset in, uh, when was it, 2003 with my sister, Kate. Yeah. And uh, we did we did lots of things, mostly virtual machines um, and, uh, of course, cloud storage. Yeah. And um, I recall that um, you did a lot of work, um, certainly on the storage side around OpenStack and OpenStack Swift. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, OpenStack Swift was my, uh, well, it's, if we talk about genesis of our clone, the first, I decided I needed to do a bit more programming um, because I was doing mostly management at work. So I thought I will pick up a bit of programming and do some sort of hobby programming just to keep my hand in. I know, and, I know uh, that feeling well. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the, uh, one of the things I did was I decided to learn Go, and um, I really enjoyed the Go programming language. Really simple, easy to use. It's engineered to be um, it's engineered to be usable over everything else. So um, I wrote some test Go programs, and I thought, okay, I will write a library for the OpenStack Swift cloud storage system. So I wrote that, and it's still in use today. And then I thought, well, I need a program to exercise it. So I wrote a program called SwiftSync. And uh, after I wrote SwiftSync, which I modeled loosely on rsync, I thought, actually, I could do more than one storage system here. And so that was the genesis of rclone. So SwiftSync got renamed to be rclone, and I added uh, some more storage backends. I think Google Drive and Amazon S3 were the first ones, along with Swift. And that's how it was launched in... Um, when was it launched? 2014, I think. No, 2012 was the first version, and then version one in 2014, something like that. So you're going up to 10 years? 
So, no, I haven't got that right, have I? So, um, it can't be that long. Let, let me just check my notes. So, yeah, I think seven years is seven the years. right time scale. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Still a, not really, it's, <laughs> not still, really dates. it's still a fairly long time. Um, so you touched upon R-Sync, of course, um, you know, tech people, of course, will know R-Sync and R-Diff, I guess, because at some point they'll have used, um, you know, one or the other. You know, maybe you can, you know, give a short explanation of, you know, how R-Clone is different to something like R-Sync or R-Diff. Sure. Okay. Um, well, I'll do R-Clone and R-Sync first. I mean, some bits of R-Clone are very similar to R-Sync, and I deliberately chose to emulate the battle-tested routines of R-Sync. So the bits of R-Sync where it compares the source destination file system to the destination file system, those are really similar in R-Clone. So at that level, the two programs work very similar. But R-Sync has a very clever trick up its sleeve, and that's where R-Diff comes in, where it can do a binary difference of the local and remote files and only send over the network the difference. Uh, but unfortunately, cloud storage systems don't support that. I don't think I've found one which does support that yet. So our clone has to send the whole file. So, And that's the major difference in terms of network usage. Our clone will either send nothing or will send the whole file, whereas our sync can be very clever and send a bit of the file. So if network bandwidth is really important, our um, sync's the way to go. But R-Clone, of course, talks a whole lot of other things that R-Sync doesn't, like ported cloud storage providers. Yep. Um, and, of course, you're now full-time on R-Clone, um, as you said earlier, which is open source. How, how is that working out for you? Um, obviously a big step. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been a difficult year, 2020. I mean, uh, unfortunately, I lost, my, I lost my sister and had some rather big ups and downs. Um, but open source, I think, you know, I hope I can make a sustainable business out of it. I'm doing quite a bit of consultancy work, adding features to our clone, um, helping people use our clone, which is great. I receive quite a bit of um, uh, sponsorship money, which is also great. And I think this year I'd like to make some our clone apps for various app stores. So I would charge for those. So and that should hopefully build a little, bring a little bit more money into the uh, into the system too. So yeah, cross fingers, it can be a sustainable business. And you think? I mean, it's it's interesting, isn't it? Because um, there's of, often a lot of commentary about um, open source and indeed whether it can be a sustainable business. Um, lots of open source projects in the past have you know either gone to the wall or they've become commercial eventually. Do you see a, a time when Arclone might one day be commercial and be licensed? Um, I think the core of our claim will always remain open source. Um, I think it's, I, I, th I mean, firstly, it's had um, hundreds of contributors to it. Yeah. So I don't own the copyright, continue all myself. So, um, but it is licensed under the MIT license, which lets you do pretty much what you like with it, sell it as long as you, as long as you um, attribute the authors. So, um, I don't see it becoming becoming closed source, but I do see wrappers around that. For instance, I'd quite like to do an enterprise support option. I get quite a few queries from big enterprises saying, can you fill out this 100-page compliance form for me? 
and uh, as much as I would like to help them, 100 page <laughs> compliant forms are not my strong point. So, um, so I think I'd quite like to be charging for those services. No, I, I, I hear you. And, um, and of course, you know, other than know, knowing each other through the relationship through Memset, um, we obviously know each other because, you know, indeed we contracted you to do some work for the file fabric to integrate it as a storage provider into Icolon, which is kind of not true because, you know, the file fabric is not, is not really storage. It's an abstraction on storage in many ways, in some ways, not too dissimilar to, to Icolon. Um, and it would be interesting to know the, the, the kind of process that you go through when you think about adding a, um, a new storage like that, a new storage connector. Sure. Yeah, I mean, the first thing I do is I look at the API. And uh, luckily, there are some really nice documents for the API. Um, so uh, my first step would be to just try and do the authentication. The authentication is often the hard part. So getting to that first directory listing is uh, often about, I don't know, probably about a quarter of the work. So, but once I've got to that point, I then... Uh, use the Arclone integration tests. And the Arclone integration tests um, work with all the Arclone providers, but they also work very well as guiding you through making an Arclone backend integration. So, so your aim doing the integration is to make all the tests pass. And um, so you, you run the test, you see which tests fail, and then you say, right, okay, I need to implement uploading an object now and then implements downloading an object, and then implements uh, setting the time on it. And so running through those, it, it's quite, for, for a developer, it's actually quite a nice process because there's something, you don't have to write the tests already written, and you just have to make them work. So it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of like one of those programming puzzles where somebody says, right, make these tests work. And um, so... Occasionally, the APIs can throw up something which needs a change in the core, and that probably happens, you know, reasonably often. Yeah, I think I think it happened when we, we were doing the integration together as well. Um, not unusual. <laughs> no, not, not <laughs> unusual. And uh, so, I mean, I'm the kind of software developer. I don't like to put things in that unless we actually need them. So there's often places where you need stuff. So, um, but the integration... For the um, for the file fabric was reasonably straightforward. Um, the APIs were good, and uh, we had a I had a nice uh, back and forth with the development team. I managed to find a few bugs in the file fabric, and uh, and the team found a few bugs in our clone. And uh, between them, we ironed them all out. So I feel both products have got better for it. Yeah, that's always the good thing about doing um, external integration because you get a. Uh, you get a pair of eyes that doesn't accept things that you may do when you're doing it in-house. Um, so it's 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 interesting that you also integrate with um, um, or, or indeed use OSX Fuse to do a to do a mount of Aklon. Do you run any POSIX tests just out of interest for that particular scenario? That's that's a good question, actually. Um, I mean, the mount does have integration tests which do run on OSX. Um, but they are nowhere near a full suite of POSIX tests. So, um, um, and that's been one of my aims in recent years, is to try and get the R-Clone integration more and more POSIX compatible. 
but it's pretty much impossible to do a cloud storage integration without uh, local caching. Um, so, so that's which complicates the matter for users in particular. If you say, right, you need a local cache to store data and so on. Um, but the OSX Fuse, I found work has worked has worked very well. Although we have had a problem with the license change, so um, and I've had to drop one of the ways that we integrate and integrate it a different way, uh, which has called a, caused a minor disruption for the Mac OS users. But um, it's all working again now. So, um, so yes, I think, I mean, we integrate with the Fuse both on Linux, which works very well, Mac OS, and on Windows as well, yep. through, the, through the excellent WinFSP package. And how do you and, find uh, that? Um, I, we used that um, a little while ago, quite a long time ago now, actually, when we were looking for um, um, kind of a Fuse for Windows. And, you know, at the time, it probably wasn't robust enough, in truth. Um, well, actually, nowadays it's it's very very robust, and I've I've corresponded with the author of it extensively, and um, I actually use I mean, we use the WinFSP interface on Windows, but the author wrote something called Sego Fuse, which is a an interface to the Fuse library, and that's what we use on macOS now as well. Interesting. So um, so yes the the, the WinFSB author is a is a is a very is a very heavy duty file system um, person, and uh, often what he says goes straight over my head, so I have to do some research to understand what he said. But uh, but yes, I, I like WinFSB; it works very well. Yeah, I think we um, we used it quite early on. Um, I mean, we in our in our Windows um, Fuse layer, we're using CallbackFS, but that's um, kind of a commercial embedded library, and we've we've used that, you know actually for quite a long time, but it's, um, you know, we found that as well, you know, fairly robust on the Windows side. The the Fuse side, you know, the, the issues that we find, are actually, they're not really Fuse issues. They're, they're the way that the Mac OS has developed over time, particularly around things like notarization and sandboxing, you know, which causes all sorts of problems every time Mac do a new release. Mm. Uh, yes. I mean, the problem I do have with the Mac, with the Mac Fuse is, um, the uh, power management on the Mac. So yeah. basically, when you use the file system, um, the OS has to wake our clone up and says, oh, tell me about this object. But the power management says, oh, our clone's received too many wake-ups. It must be drawing all your battery. I think I'll kill it now. So, uh, And that's definitely been a problem. But, um... Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Um, so it might be worth spending a couple of minutes just talking about, you know, why we decided to, um, you know, um, uh, sort of contact you and, and get you to do the, the integration with the file fabric. Um, because the file fabric itself, obviously, is an abstraction into back-end storage. And, you know, we ourselves, you know, support about 60-odd storage clouds and, and actually, you know, bring some new ones, I guess, to the table for Arclone if you're using Arclone to contact backends that are not currently supported. You know, um, for us, you know, we consider ourselves pretty much a, um, a metadata-driven meta system because essentially what we do is we, we spider the storage, you know, we, we, we pull back the metadata and then we use the metadata to build a, um, essentially a, a file system. Um, and that file system can span, you know, more than one um, cloud storage. And then we have other components um, that can keep that, up to date. So we have a, a system called Jibe and, 
and Jibe can actually connect to things like, you know, it depends on the storage, but Amazon Cloud Trails and then, you know, it finds a new event and then, you know, it populates the, the metadata system so that it's up to date. Um, and it can be very useful for large, um, large object storage because um, being able to, you know, for example, search across something like Amazon S3 when you've got millions or billions of buckets is actually, it's pretty difficult. There's not, there's not an easy way to do it. The same with any object storage system just because of the nature of what they are. And, and for us, what we were finding were that um, there, were, there were some use cases, um, especially, you know, data transfer related use cases, you know, where it made sense rather than going um, direct to the storage and then for the file fabric later to do the index and pull them back to to actually go directly, you know, through the, the file fabric into the backend storage. And actually quite a few of those use cases were related to things like compliance. You know, if we if we pull back the data directly from the from the back end, you know, at that point it becomes something that we can, you know, monitor and make compliant. If we do it, you know, through our clone as an ingest, um, it's particularly for I don't know, automated system ingests um, or for, you know, large data transfers, actually we pick up the compliance at the point of entry. Um, and and for us, that makes a difference. And for some of our customers, that makes a difference. So, and there are so many different, you know, edge case, use cases where in the past, you know, we've used our clone with our product, even before you did the integration, because we used the, the web dev piece and we used the FTP piece. And then, um, and even though we we provide um, um, an integration with Fuse on on the same file systems you mentioned Linux, Mac, and Windows, our integrations are, are done to make it look, feel, and smell like a file system. So it's a very you know as much as we can make it POSIX compliant, you know we do. And sometimes that involves doing you know some some sugar things to just make it feel that way to the end user. So you talked about caching, you know we do defer, deferred caching, you know for example. Um, we integrate with things like, you know, Microsoft Office so that, you know, when it changes, the, swaps the file name around, we're not um, getting ourselves into a locking problem or pushing up some of that metadata that disappears onto the backend cloud. But there are times, you know, when we, we need to provide the end user more pertinent control of the cache settings. And, um, and we don't provide um, our integrations, the desktop integrations, in a way that makes that possible. So for us, being able to use something like iClone where you have finite control of all of the settings from an OS X Fuse perspective, and you can work with, you know, cache, no cache, different ways to get that data movement going through, um, it's perfect. So um, it might seem at first blush that, you know, both products are not, you know, why would you put one with the other? But the truth is we, we see a lot of usage for it. Um, so, um, you know, that's, that's the reason why. And um, we... We just got to the point where we had to bite the bullet, and you know when we we kind of heard you were doing full time on the project, um, it made perfect sense to try and get the integration, you know, done done through you. So, um, you know, really pleased with it. Um, I guess the question um, that we probably have is obviously we have the the final beta version that we're really happy with. When do you intend to release the um, the final version? Well, I'm so the um, the the back end has reached the um, the master. The master branch, yep. and that will be really turned into the into the one point five four release. Should be by the end of this month, so end of January. Okay, it's good to know. I've just got I've just got a few. Um, I run the daily integration test against all the backends, and uh, they accumulate a few problems while I'm working on other stuff. So I've just got some of those to fix up. 
some more th- a few more things to merge, and then I think we'll be done. So, um, and there'll be yeah, there'll be lots of exciting things in the one point five four release. Uh, but yeah, not I, least I, which file fabric back in. Are you able to share any others outside of the file fabric that's gone into one five four? Sure. Yeah, um, we're going to have a compressed backend, so which will enable you to gzip your files in a transparent way. So you'll be able to overlay that on other storage services. So we're going to have um, an HDFS backend, so to work with Hadoop. Now I know absolutely nothing about HDFS or Hadoop, but um, but luckily the backend was contributed. And it seems to work pretty well. So there are still some still some future developments on that. But yeah, so our clone working with big data stuff is quite exciting. So um, yeah, well, there's about a million bug fixes as usual. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I don't know. That's 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 what comes to me off the top of my head. Um, yeah, we've 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 re-wriggled the internals as well, um, which will become which will become apparent probably in the 1.55 release is to is to it will make it easier to use our clone externally so either through its through its remote control interface or through its um or integrating directly into go programs okay and so then, that's sort of, that's sort of one of the behind the scenes use and obviously you um you did an experimental you know web access to um our clone, um in one of the prior releases indeed the release that's there now um, are, you, are you are you going to be expanding that? Um, is it going to um, grow? So, do you mean the um, the the ability to serve? Correct. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's those those are part of our clone now. So, you can serve a file system over over an HTTP, yep. where you get a nice web interface, or a web DAV, or an FTP, or an SFTP backend. Uh, I think there's one more as well. Um, what's it called? D- DLNA for for serving to your um, home home audio and video system. Yeah, very popular on the forums that one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, so yeah, I mean, I I particularly like the uh, the serving systems. I think our clone serve SFTP in particular is 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 really nice, and uh, I use that quite a lot myself. So. Uh, and um. Do you have anything that you know you've got planned for the future? Anything set in stone yet in terms of direction of our clone? Um, you, you mentioned the apps, but obviously anything in the core. Yes, well, there are quite a few things. I mean, uh, one of the things is caching. So, our clone has a cache backend, um, but it's not very well maintained. So the maintainer for it didn't uh, hasn't maintained it recently, and I'm. Um, I'm gradually bringing the the caching bits into the core of our clone. So the next so the next part I want to attack is uh, metadata caching. So um, basically, so you can so you can read a read a object system and then cache the metadata on disk. Yeah. And that will speed up a lot of things. I mean, yeah. as as you've discussed in the uh, in the file fabric, but our clone doesn't do that sort of caching at the moment, and I think that will help a lot. So, I mean, it'll be optional, of course. Yeah. Uh, Absolutely, one of our clones, many millions of flags. Um, yeah. yeah. But uh, but for certain but for certain use cases, that that will help a great deal. Um. I think uh, yes, connection strings is another one coming up. So, 
people using our clone programmatically, they don't like the config file. They want to be able to configure our clone just with a connection string. Yeah. So and that's so I'm planning to make a connection string system where you um where you can say which backend you want and what the password and parameters are, and that will all be just a single string you can pass. Oh nice. So um so yeah, so I think I think that'll help with integrations a lot. Yeah, I agree. Well, we're on we're just getting to the um towards the half an hour. And um I'd like to thank you for your time, Nick. Um it's been a pleasure. Um wish you well with the Arclone project. Obviously, um, we'll keep in touch with regards to the work with the file fabric. Um, thank you very much, Nick Craigwood. Well, thank you very much for having me on. This brings us to the end of the podcast with Nick Craigwood. I um, hope you enjoyed it, and we'll be back soon with another podcast of our Storage Masters series.